Welcome to the revolution in the airwaves. It's The Cure with Scotty and Sully. Where we don't just talk about the medical industry, we transform it. This is The Cure with Scotty and Sully. Where we don't just cover excellence, we create it. Hey, welcome to The Cure. Scotty and Sully. Um, Here we are with another great episode. Scotty, we're um, episode number three. All the conversations. All the conversations. Scotty and Sully. That's it. Got got my good friend Joe McClung on. Come a long ways from slinging soap. That is right. That is right. I mean, spraying, spraying, cleaning the suit, you know, getting getting nurses' hands from being chafed from all that washing, you know. I mean, I'd have that love. Uh, What's the most stressful you've ever been in your life when it came to a forecast and a budget time frame? You're right. Yeah. Like how much, how much was, uh, uh, McKesson Seattle going to actually buy or if we could actually yeah. sell it if they did. Right. You know? No matter what you came back with Gene, Doug or Bill, that's not enough. That's it. Yeah. Do more. It's not even close to enough. <laughs> you got to well, go get I'm those actually, bulbs and I, batteries from Welch Allen. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm surprised. I've actually even had worse than that. Those were my own ones. So some of the DJO forecasting days. Oh you, yeah. You had to roll it up and go. You know. Well, let's try that again. Let's try that again. You know. So. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hey, I, in fact, I was just one uh, of those with a neck brace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You get whiplash so much. At least, at least you have the product to take care of you after you're done. That was a good part. Uh, hey, I was just chatting with a guy named Dan Driver, an old DJO. Oh, yeah. Love Danny. He's, yeah, a good guy. he's with a great company yeah, yeah. called Bregg now. So I'll be speaking yeah. at their meeting here in a couple of weeks. So I told oh, him. Oh, you really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. Oh, with Steve Engel there now, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Send the love. All right. Well, listen, let's uh, let's get right to it. You and I and your your lovely bride and that the awesome team you assembled spent two days together last week and going through a day and a half uh, boot camp. And, um, you know, the, the, the more I spent time with you guys, the more I realized how many medical companies of all sizes struggle with, I think, what you solve. And uh, you came right out of the gate last week when you did your little opening before I started speaking. And you said, you know, our greatest assets are our people. Right. And you could you could tell the culture you you created and you and Karen and, and Josh. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But um if that's the greatest asset for companies, it should be their number one focus, right? I mean, if that's because I think everyone believes that, at least they want to believe it. Right. Right. And so how does Floodgate help companies like that? Whether they're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling finding people or maybe my culture's not good, some are all in, some out. How does Floodgate solve that? Yeah, that there is a lot you could have. We could do a day to have seminar probably on that. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to break it down in a few areas, right? That that people struggle with finding people. One is they've got to have the time to be able to go out and do it, right? I mean, they usually you're the hiring manager in a company is the busiest, most impactful person in that company. Right? They have many times customers yelling at them. They have a team to develop. They're the ones that close the big deals. And then they then a lot of companies do what I did, which just to say, hey, guys, guess what? You've got a couple openings. Go find them. Right? One, they don't do it a lot. You know, It's yeah. not what they do every day. I mean, they do it once or twice a year, maybe. You know, even if they've been hiring 20, you know, for 20 years. I play golf once or twice a year for 20 years. I'm not a good golfer. 
Okay, so it's not what you do best every day. Uh, Scotty plays twice or three times a week, and he still sucks. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd ever get good. So that's the reason I don't play more than that. (laughs) I just Um, came off of a four day bender, and I went eighty. 90, 88, 90. Okay. I'll take that any day of the week. That sounds sounds like balling. Okay. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, The, um, and so. So if you're not doing it all the time. Yeah. You're you're not doing it all the time. Yeah. You're not, you're not going to be good at it. So we help take a lot of that work away. Right. Because they could select good people, but the recruiting, the vetting, the dealing through all that people takes, I mean, we show one company say 32 hours, right? That's a lot of time that hiring manager could do to do something else. So that's one. Right. The second thing you mentioned culture, right? That creates that good culture and every company's got its kind of unique culture. So one of the things we found really effective is we like to work with the same company over and over and over again so we can understand their culture. And we've trained our team in this program called Hiring for Attitude. It's just questioning and listening that tries to understand the culture. So that way we could say, hey, you know, this individual has those skills, that experience, that, you know, the black and white you're looking for, but has also that cultural impact, you know, that 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 grit, that, that ability to have that constant positive attitude, the things that fit really well with your team. So again, they're able to narrow that wide field into a few that have the right experience and the right culture and all they have to do is choose right if people do that consistently they're doing well and there's a lot of other things that they can you know that can be done um to get those people's attention because guess what they're busy so you gotta break through the noise and you gotta do it differently or you're just finding the candidates that are actively looking and not always, but many times active candidates, there's a reason they're active candidates, right? They might not be doing well at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think you put those three things together. We've really helped companies accelerate that talent flow and make a better selection. What yeah. are some kind of, like, kind of criteria, Joe, that you guys are looking for in today's, I mean, just like you just said, I mean, my business is 12 people. Yeah, I might hire you know, one or two people every 18 months. So I'm not out doing it. What are, what are some criteria kind of in today's environment for folks that are hiring? You know, I don't know if it's, if some of the fundamentals really haven't changed very much, you know, I mean, you know, the, you know, the people that have, and the things that I think most companies look for and are really the impactful is that, you know, grit, you know, Angela Duckworth called me out of that grit, just ability to keep going, understand, stay positive even when things go wrong. That intellectual curiosity, you know, just want to learn. You know, I mean, yeah. especially in medical, this is where I find medical is kind of different is they really have to learn and almost become that expert many times. And then, and then finally is EQ. I think we're realizing more and more the importance of uh, people that have good EQ and be able to connect with people at all different types and positions and and being able to navigate that internally and externally. So I think those three typically are the the main, you know, elements of success. Now it varies a little bit company to company, role to role, but those those are pretty universal truths. Tell me a little bit about EQ. Yeah. Emotional intelligence, 
Yeah, as he says blankly, without smiling, looking at. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I, I think you're spot on. You know, Pritchard says it. My business partner says it all the time to folks when we bring in. Uh, we try to always have two or three young folks working for us, like right out of school. Mm-hmm. And one of his first things he tells them is, "You've got to be curious in this industry because if you're not, you're never going to pick it up. There's too many little nuances to it." The vernacular is bizarre. The amount of acronyms we have, I don't think the military may come close to the amount of acronyms that healthcare has. Yeah. And if you're not just, you know, naturally curious, you're not going to keep up, you know, in, in today, in this, in this place, I don't, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. You, you've, you know, that wanting to learn, the ability to learn, ask questions, you know, and kind of, it's funny that intellectual curiosity and EQ go together, right? Because a lot of times what people go wrong on EQ is, is when they have too much hubris, they're not humble enough, right? They don't, yeah. they don't try to understand the other person. So right. usually it's fun. Those two usually go well together because if you want to learn, it's also saying, I don't know. Right. You know? Um, and so I think those two usually you find them uh, in the same person typically. Yeah. Well, let's go back to the first thing you said, and that's grit. Yeah, and I think uh, old dogs like maybe the three of us would um, have been caught saying, you know, since COVID, everyone's gotten lazy. They don't have the grit that they used to. These kids, you know, the the Gen Zs, they're not, you know, bred the same. What's your take on it? I I don't think so. I I think I actually I think we talked to the old guys that managed us. They probably said the same thing about us. Those guys, I tell you what, those, <laughs> you know, so. I, I don't know if that's ever really changed. I do think, you know, there was coming out of the COVID. I mean, we saw Newton's law, you know, an object of rest stays to, tends to stay at rest, you know? So it yeah. just took a while that we thought to get the momentum, the habit, the expectations back moving again. Um, I think that's for the most part, not all, but for the most part, moving again. And I think this generation, you know, it's just, it's a different, it's a different kind of uh, uh, expectations have been set some, for some of them, Um, you know, like we drove across the country and took a territory and didn't know a single thing and paid our own expenses. And I don't know if I could sell that to a new candidate these days. And we went, sure, that sounds like a great idea and have my super eight VIP card. Yes, that does exist. There is a thing as a super eight VIP card. I had a red Uh, roof in. Huh? I had a red roof in. There, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. No, I will tell you that Super 8 VIP card one night in Vegas at one of the coolest clubs no one could get into. I walk up, guy, big bouncer comes up, stops me. He's like, do you have a pass to get in here? And I pull out my Super 8 VIP card and I hand it to him. That guy's like, all right, who's with you? Come on, we're going. Let's no go. way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, oh, that man. is cool. That is cool. Hey, well, one one number that stood out to me last week uh, was, and you were just talking to Scotty about this, is actively looking salespeople maybe aren't as, um, I don't know, um, maybe they're not as um, sexy as that person who's a top performer and not looking. And I believe you call them passive. And I think you said you place like 81% of the folks who you introduce jobs to are folks who were top performers and weren't out there on the market. 
Right. Uh, so, so, and that really stood out to me. I'm saying, well, geez, so why would you hire someone like a floodgate? It's because you're not get, getting the low hanging fruit. You're, you're getting the difficult to get to talent and that's what everyone wants, right? If you've been, if you've got the open to work thing on your LinkedIn and just been there for 10 months, you're probably not as sexy, right? <laughs> you yeah. might take that job I mean, driving across the country to, to, to a red roof in. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You don't got time to, to apply to a job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're, you're exactly right. So here's the key is, yeah, active candidates, there's some good ones out there, right? But statistically, the guys are looking for a job. There's a reason, not always, but there's a reason. So we get those. But reality is to get the passive candidate, the one that's got their head down, they're working, they got they got three evaluations going, they got leading big teams, they're, they're trying to plan their president's club trip, right? You know, those individuals, you got to break, you got to break through the noise. You know, you got to get their attention. And to get their attention, Sometimes you have to do the stupid things, as you like to say, right, to get their attention, to break above the signal that's out there, you know, and when there's a lot of people going after them, like in San Francisco and New York, you really have to make, break through the signal to get through. But then you also have to have the credibility. So that's we spend a lot of time on new ways to make it simple, to break through the sim signal, but then to have credibility, not just our brand, you know, so they're like, oh, yeah, I heard Floodgate. I, I think I've seen you guys before. You know what? I'll talk to you because- you seem to know our business, you know, that's what we want. And that's what we try to do for our clients. So we also try to bring that same brand and break through. It's called candidate branding in the HR speak, right? Where they've heard of you. They heard of the brand. They're like, you know what? I'm not looking, but I respect that organization. So I'm at least going to give them five minutes. Yeah. Um, and that's really what it takes to get that passive candidate. Joe, what do you, what do you, the folks that are out looking for those people, what are you, are they called, are they your sales team? Or are they, do you, is there another name for them? And how many of them are there? Roughly? On my, on my team, we've got, we, we've got a total team of 25, right? The got people you. are going out looking for, you know, talking to and working with the hiring managers. We call them talent advisors, you know? Okay. And, and it's a purposeful name, um, because the reality is, we see ourselves as kind of an advisor, both to that candidate, you know, and to that client who a lot of times that hiring manager hasn't hired for two years, hasn't hired for a year and a half right. to help them go. Here's really what the market looks like. Here's what we can target. Here's, you know, and be that advisor. And for the candidate to say, hey, yeah, you've been comfortable in this role for a while, but as comfortable as best awesome as you could be. And, you know, and sometimes we go through the thing. It's like, no, you know what? You're actually in a great spot. This isn't the right one for you, but when I got something that's a little different, I'll tell you that too. So that's, that's why we advisors. That same person's calling on new accounts for you guys that are going to be hiring in the near future or in the future. And then they're sitting down going through coordinating that. And then they go out and find the talent that you're talking about, that 81% that probably aren't necessarily looking. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same person doing all of it. Uh, for the most part, you know, mo they, I've got a few on my team that are, I call talent directors that work and go with the clients, right? They work with the yeah. clients. They'll do some recruiting as well, right? So they'll go be a talent advisor and go find the, the candidates as well at times, but um, a little bit of a two, a little bit of two teams. Gotcha. How do you keep those teams motivated? You know, um, it's interesting. I think if you have real clear objective, you're, you're mission driven, right? You know what the clear objectives, we're all running to the same thing, right? And we all believe in the same thing. You have real clear, clear results and give them, you know, here's what's happening. And then agency, 
I think that's underestimated, you know, how much agency you can give someone so they can feel like they're really running their, their business, you know, and give them the yeah. ability and the freedom to do it. Um, I, I think that keeps the right kind of person motivated because it's, they see what they can achieve and that's inspiring. Well, and I, um, I can give you a first hand. Joe, would you explain what the, what this picture is? Yeah. So this is as many of our team we could fit in the photo booth as possible here at our <laughs> floodgate eighties, uh, eighties prom is what the theme was. Um, Yes, we are a bunch of idiots. We have a good time. And uh, I uh, and we all dressed 80s. I was able to get my hands on a bright orange tuxedo with ruffled front in there. And it was awesome. The only problem was it was cheap on the internet. And the first running man move I did, <laughs> it, the cross totally ripped out, you know? But, uh, you know. Uh, no, listen, before you jumped on, I was telling Scotty, uh, just how amazingly impressed I was with what I saw um, that you cared and Josh created, honestly. And you, you know, you heard me say it throughout. You know, for a living, that's what I do. I go to these companies, and and we talk about um, attitude, and enthusiasm, and leadership, and 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 creating cultures. And not many uh, has made it have made it as easy as you have. Now, it's not easy to get to where you go, right? You walk in. I was telling Scott, uh, or uh, Scott, I was telling you. It's it's like Google, right? I mean, you walk in, the place is open, it's all glass, he's got pickleball, you got axe throwing. I don't want to talk about that, Joe. Mm -hmm. I did beat him in axe throwing. I, I maybe I do want to talk about that. He's got a putting yeah, green. And, his... and you won pickleball. So and I won like pickleball. But it's listen, these it people height. don't want to leave it. They don't want I'm telling you, Scott, you never see anything like it. It, it, I mean, it's like a, a party. These people genuinely are laughing their asses off at work. And you, yeah. I mean, it's a real team. I'm telling So, So what's cool to me, and the reason why I wanted to do this, this show immediately instead of waiting on it, is uh, you've created what you are trying to help your people create, your clients create. You, you know, it's one thing that all recruiting, hey, we're, we're going to get you someone right for the culture. But if you sucked at it, That'd be a hard sell. But I think when people yeah. see what you're doing, my gosh, everybody would like a company like that where people genuinely like each other and it's fun, right? And, and of course, your prom night was just this Saturday night. Karen tried to recruit me to, to, to bring an outfit and stay. But yeah, yeah. I had the family. So you're doing a great job, man. I'm, I, I'm just, you got to be proud of yourself. We, we, got, we got really good people. And I will tell you, one of the paradigm shifts I heard a few years back and stuck with me is we see ourselves as building a business for the people, not hiring the people to build the business. That is the first that. foundation of flipping that. And so a lot of, you know, is reminding ourselves, all right, how are, we, how are we doing that? How's our people doing? How are they growing? Are they getting better? Are they achieving their goals, right? And we have their decade goals. And, you know, um, you know, it's kind of the dream manager concept. You know, are you getting there? How do we help you get there? And sometimes, you know, sometimes we have conversations after a while, we look at each other and go, you know what, you need to have a goal, but it might not be here. You know, maybe it's better somewhere else, you know, and that's okay too, you know? And yeah. I think, you know, having that um, just open others focus mentality is help, you know, has done, has helped really create that. 
You know, you know, Joe. I, I love that saying, and I, listening to you talk, it's interesting because you've obviously built a, a great culture there, and you and I came up through a cool culture, getting to work for HealthLink and and Bill Riddell and Doug Barrow and and Gene, and you know they they were old school, but it still was a, a cool culture. And I know one of the best things for me and and that that time in my life, and then my time spent with Billy Harris at Silvermid was the training and education piece, just how mm-hmm. much they put into it. Yeah, I don't know if you had to do it with Bill, but I mean, literally I'd have to, he had this book with cassette tapes on teaching you how to, how to actually sell. Mm-hmm. I'd have to go through that. I did. Were you in the warehouse? I was in the warehouse for almost oh. six months doing those yeah, stupid totally. tapes. Totally. And then on totally. Tuesday night and Thursday night, I had to come in and role play with him. And I never knew who he was. The only thing he would tell me is I'm a distribution ops leader or I'm a distribution sales leader or I'm a pediatric physician. Mm -hmm. And you got to just show up, knock on the door and go in. And he would play different characters all the time. And he would make the entire company watch me do this. So it was one of the first few times as intimidating as could be. Yeah. That training. Talk about how important. Yeah, you got to hire the right smart good talented people but how important is the training aspect and educating them you know going back to what we talked about earlier that whole you've got to be curious about your career yeah absolutely and and you're you're exactly right i mean no matter how motivated you are to train yourself you know and not have accountability to get it's not gonna happen you know you got to have that external resource you got to have that external program you got to have something that's, I don't know, maybe the, looking for the right word, something that might be precise that helps you. Get, <laughs> you know, right? You know, that I wasn't teeing. I wasn't teeing you up for that. I, I sounded like <laughs> Scotty would never <laughs> team me up like that. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell I'm the one who created that interview question? <laughs> No, it, it really, it actually having that, uh, you know, having ongoing training, you know, like, and you don't have to do it big and complicated and complex. I mean, one of the cool things we've done, we've had going is we do a book club uh, every week, Friday, right at noon, 15 minutes. It's all it takes. You know, we have a chapter a week. Everyone just circles, you know, what do you talk about? What'd you learn? What's your takeaway? You know, so. You know, it can have the big programmatic things, but I don't think you have to wait for that. You know, I mean, how do you like you just right? They they just said, hey, every Tuesday come in and role play with me. You know, like you remember that that was you know. So I think a mix of both of those is is that's crucial. It's absolutely cool. well, and and even in our sessions um, early on, Joe, when we started on on Thursday. There had to be four or five of the folks said, I hate role playing. I don't want to role play. And then, of course, on day two, they all got up and they they did their role plays and they they crushed it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they they everything I gave them on that first day, they were just and they had fun with it. And mm-hmm. and, you know, to me, it's the only way, like you're saying, Scotty, by you need a plan, you need a process yeah. and then practice it and then have your boss. Get, get, or find an accountability partner, someone else in your company, and just practice. I don't know how you get good at anything, right? If you got to pick up the phone and call someone, how how without practicing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be. <laughs> yeah, if you're practicing, right. like you're practicing in live, right? You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Practice. Yeah. You want to talk about practice? You talk about practice? 
Hey, hey, what um you see any changes in healthcare as, as it relates to building the right team? It, it, you know, certainly uh, yeah, um, like the access people you hire, access things. Here's you know, I don't think fundamentally the core is that different. I really don't. I, I, I think, you know, we talked about those three, you know, core things we were talking about earlier. The only the difference I think on the is people need the ability to not just, you know, have a good relationships and have a clinical message, you know, and have a physician and clinical. They need to be able to really talk a good financial and ROI game and sell the economic buyer mm. and be comfortable there as well as the clinical and the relational and those other elements. I think I think that might be the only nuance. I mean, it was it was honestly true. When we sold to, I just think it's even more, you know, there were segments where you might not have needed that. Now you need that no matter where you are. And if you really want to be successful, you got to nail that. Yeah. Hey, Joe, how, how often are you seeing, and it may be generational, so you, you may have to take it from like the 23-year-old to 33-year-old, 33 to 43, 43 to 50. How often are you seeing those folks jump? Three years, two years? Just do you have some stats on that? Yeah, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a high staff, but yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it used to be like, oh, he's had three jobs in his career. Oh, you know, no, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, it is, you know, that every three to four years, you're going to see movement sometimes too. Now, here's the other thing I will tell you. It's a lot of time. It's not people that are saying, oh, I just need to go to the next shop. Half the time I look at it, I dial down because I always get the question, why they move? Why they move? Why they move? So I always asking, oh, you know, couple where it's the right career trajectory, right? Start at ADP, go to, you know, uh, med surge, go to, uh, you know, management, et cetera. Um, but after that, sometimes it's like, hey, what did the startup? It got gobbled up by bear. I lost it. And then right. this one, you know, there's just, it's just much more dynamic. Um, and I mean, I'll tell you, half of those big organizations, it's like national sales meeting is national reorg time, you know? So, you know, it's just, I think it's just a more dynamic market with changing companies, changing roles um, yeah. than it was. And so most of the time, it's not because they're like, I just got bored of it. I need to go do something new. You know, I think there's a little more of that. But reality, I'll, I'll, I'm going to chop most of it up the dynamic market. And most of the people we dive down into, it is things around them that um, was the reason, you know? Gotcha. Well, think what, of what advice. Go ahead, Sully. Well, 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 uh, uh, loyalty, right? So, so I, I think maybe there isn't as much loyalty. In, in fact, I was watching. That's kind of what I was getting at. It, 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 yeah. Well, it, it, you go because I think it's an interesting conversation. Who should be loyal to who? Yeah, that's that's kind of where I was trying to see. Is there, you know, is there some stats out there, or what? You know, what? Obviously, the folks that are listening to this podcast typically are going to be leaderships. Uh, folks that are do that are hiring, um, you know, and I, I, I step back sometimes when we're hiring and I'm like, we're going to put all this effort in <clears throat> and three years, they're going to bounce. Um, and it's like, golly, they, they're at the three year mark is where they really start hitting their stride. In my opinion, I'm like, man, life's about to get real easy for you because now you have three years of relationships, three years of understanding the right vernacular to use three years of closing and three years of stories that you could tell, Hey, you know what? I was working with the manufacturer, had this exact issue with private label and here's what we did for them. 
Mm-hmm. Boom. But when you bounce so quick, all of that that you just gain, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't take it with you, but it's it's just different. So that's kind of where I was going with that. And do you have any kind of you know not, not just I, stats, but any suggestions for people in building a strong, efficient, loyal sales team? I I'll, I'll go back to the you guys we talked about it earlier. If you cared about the people, you train yeah. them, you give them a pathway. You know, I find companies, you know, I talked about those people for years, three years, but there are several companies we work with of our clients, all their leadership team, 16 years, 15 yeah. years, 20 years, 17 years, right? Because they they stayed consistent. They consistently invested in their people. They, uh, you know, they, they showed they cared. Uh, they had a pathway. And guess what? Their leadership was also part of the reason their team's stable is their leadership is stable too, right? You know, those companies where they turn at the top, guess what? It turns all the way down too. So I think I think there is controllable in that. I don't think the rule is every three years someone's going to change out yeah. of you. That's the reason I was saying many of the time it's externally, they their leadership changed out. They got bought out. They sold their private equity, um, you know, and the people leave as a result because they didn't keep that consistency. They didn't keep that training. They didn't keep that challenge. And the other thing I really like to think about with retaining great people is uh, a quote I heard, you know, great people love a great challenge, you know, stretch them, you know, and then when they conquer it, they're standing 10 feet tall and they're never going to leave, you know, because they, they just, they just experience that ability to not only have someone give confidence in them, but then to win over that, those kind of people yeah. stick and stay a long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and the company has to be loyal too. 100%. Yeah, right. They're going to have to treat the people right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's why I love your quote, which you said earlier, right? It's it's about creating the company to serve the people. And it, I think that's that's wonderful because it, I think it's almost laughable when you have a, a large corporation who has no problem firing people through email or, or an HR department does, does right they show no loyalty yet they wonder why someone's jumping after two and a half years right they yeah. got gotta go both ways man you gotta be loyal to your people yeah, and we it's you're going full circle where our most valuable asset we have is our people you know you have is your people you treat them like that most valuable asset because really but I tease but it's true the company only has three things right they have their IP which a lot of time is fleeting right? Cash, capital, which again is in in people, and of the of the three, right? People is the only thing you can consistently impact. Yep, for sure. Yep. You got to go pick up your kid at school, or I mean, it's, you you can. I got, I got I got another I got another uh, call to jump to here, another screening call to find out if we got the you know right candidate for one of our clients here. So, uh, and then and then I got to go take uh, Riley to cheer. So uh, she can, yeah. You gonna stop by a top call over your head. You're gonna stop by Top Golf and grab a beer while you're waiting to pick her up. Well, I'm, I might have to do that. Yeah, that's like my uh, the waiting at cheer spot. You know, shank shank a few into the net at Top Golf and uh, have an IPA. Tell myself it was all right. You know, that's heaven. All right, where can people where can people learn more? Let's say you got them a little bit interested. What's the easiest way to get you? I, uh, you know, they can yeah, email me at joe at floodgatemedical.com or call me, my mobile, 512-468-8937. Either one, or go to our website. Carrier Pigeon's name is Bob. 
you know, whichever is the easiest. For you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, make sure you tell Josh that I said hello. I, I will, man. I will. I haven't no. talked to him in in forever. I uh, I was glad to hear he was working there with you. That you guys were working together. Yeah, so it's a uh, goes full circle, doesn't it? You know. Yep. So, for well, you sure. have to come down here and try to beat me at uh, axe throwing, says Brian did. All right, <laughs> so we can come down. <laughs> awesome. All right, check out Floodgate Medical if you're looking for top performers. They're gonna uh, they're gonna make it better. So great show, Joe. You're the man, Scotty. Thanks. Love you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, you guys. See you. Bye. 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 Bye